This podcast is part of the Telerik Developer Network. Telerik by Progress. Hello and welcome to Eat Sleep Code, the official Telerik podcast. I'm your host, Ed Charbonneau, and with me today is Scott Hunter. How you doing, Scott? I'm doing great. Scott is the Director of Program Management for the .NET platform. Uh, this includes the .NET Framework, .NET Core, and the Managed Languages. Scott, it, I'm glad to have you on the show today. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to be here. It's, uh, looking forward to uh, chatting about .NET with you. Yeah, it's a great way to kick off uh, 2017, this being the first show of the year for me. Um, really appreciate you making time to do this. And uh, we've got a lot of stuff going on in this new year with .NET, so this, this is a great topic. Yeah, it's, it's been, uh, I, I joined Microsoft in uh, 2007. I was a uh, um, kind of a web developer, I guess is the best way to describe it. So I was a web developer and I joined uh, in 2007 and joined the ASP.NET team. And uh, that was interesting because um, as an external person, I, I walked in going, hey, you know, this ASP.NET thing is going to be this huge team. And I remember walking in and I realized, oh, my God, we only have like 12 to 12 developers and three or four PMs. Um, and we had some support staff as well. So the whole team was like under 30 in size when uh, when I joined in 2007. And, it's, and, you know, externally, I think I was just imagining Microsoft, this huge company that... Uh, uh, ASP.NET was going to be this, you know, massive team, um, but it was a it, it was a great team because even though it was a, a, a kind of a small team, um, we got a lot of crap done because we uh, um, everybody was was super effective and and everybody loved the platform and and uh, I think we did more with you know a smaller group of folks than than people would ever imagine um, and a lot of the things that we started back then in, in two thousand seven are the things that you kind of see in .NET all up today. I mean, the ASP.NET team was one of the first teams. Um, I was going to say in 2008, uh, we started open sourcing uh, ASP.NET MVC uh, for the first time. Um, and then by 2012, we had actually open sourced the platform, all of the ASP.NET platform by then. Um, you know, and I now look at .NET today and we've got, you know, .NET Core and the entire .NET framework is, you know, open sourced out there. So it was... Some of those things we did back in the, in those days were kind of the seeds uh, that have grown and and uh, and built a platform today. Yeah, it's the the .NET folks that are the ones that spearheaded, you know, the open sourcing of of Microsoft. Is it not? There was other teams as well. I don't I don't want to take I don't want the .NET folks to take you know full credit for for that kind of stuff. There was a there was a wave of us that were all um, you know looking at the open source space and. I think what what made .NET specifically uh, an early pioneer in in this area was mainly that the things we competed against were already open source. It was it was hard for me to sit there and say, "Hey, there's Ruby on Rails, which was was popular back in 2007. Uh, you know, now there's Node.js, there's Java, um, there's Go. All these technologies are completely open source, um, and you know, how do you compete?" Uh, against one of those things when, you know, hey, any developer that wants to use any of those platforms can just go download the source code or look at the source code to see how something's implemented, um, you know, or even make a PR to actually, uh, you know, a pull request to, uh, to suggest a change in the in the platforms. Um, and so I think it was mainly because 
you know, we were competing against open web technologies, um, which kind of led us down the path of the only way to compete with those things is to be on the same grounds um, as they were as well. Yeah, I think uh, developers kind of flock to the distributed source control type of a model and everybody's, you know, sharing code these days and it's just kind of where the industry as a whole went. Uh, so it's great to see Microsoft, you know, this the, the big company that supports a lot of uh, corporate type development also getting into that arena. Uh, it's a tough shift. I mean, this isn't, um, you know, what, what people are used to in, in that regard. It, it was even a tough shift for the for some of the companies. I mean, in, in fact, I still I still hear um, rumblings and stuff around this. I mean, for example, um, a lot of companies that adopted you know Microsoft technologies back, especially in two thousand eight, um, you know they they looked at open source at, or they, they looked at us uh, Microsoft as hey the reason we're we're you know we're buying IBM or we're buying Microsoft is because we have this supported platform. Um, in some ways, the the non open sourceness was kind of what um, attracted those people to our, our our platform, and you know we had to do a bunch of education with with the those companies as well, saying, hey, yeah, the the platform's open source, um, but that doesn't really change the world for you because the reality is, if you if you download Visual Studio or you go and go and download .NET Framework, um, that that the thing you downloaded and installed. Is Microsoft supported? It's got a Microsoft EULA on it. Um, you can pick up the phone, and we'll treat it just like uh, we did before. Um, and so there, there really is kind of a blur there. I mean, a, a lot of a lot of times I used to explain that uh, when you look at Chrome, there's two versions of Chrome. There's Chrome and there's Chromium. Uh, Chrome is the is the browser that most people use, um, and it's I would actually challenge it's not open source. It's actually closed source. Um, it's a uh, fork of Chromium. Chromium is the open source version of Chrome, uh, where a lot of developer work goes on, and then they pick the things from Chromium they want to put in the in the commercial product. Um, and, and I think of .NET the same way. It's like if you want to go to GitHub and download .NET and build it yourself, well, then you're using the open source open source version of .NET. If you actually want to, you know, download my installer and use my installer, well, then you've got a Microsoft Sign, Microsoft ULID, fully supported version of .NET. Um, and so there was a lot of education for us, just two companies, but I, I will say it, it is amazing to see, um, I spend quite a bit of time each year, uh, traveling around the world and talking to customers and it's amazing to walk into some of these big, big companies, uh, that, that, you know, I, I can't drop names, but, um, you know, big companies around the world and seeing them embrace open source now. So what, what was kind of scary in 2008 in 2016, um, you know, I walk into a lot of these companies and half of the stuff they're using is open source. So, And relatively speaking, eight years isn't a very large amount of time for that kind of a paradigm shift either. Yeah, that's, I think that's, that, that is crazy fast, actually. Uh, seeing an industry shift the way it did from closed proprietary software to very open software over that period of time is amazing. And, and you see that all through Microsoft. I mean, uh, you know, the Azure, Azure cloud that we have, um, you know, fully embraces open source. I mean, uh, you know, it, Linux is fully supported there. Windows is fully supported there. Node, Java, Go, Python, Ruby. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, I think the days of saying that you build something in just one technology are kind of over. I mean, today, most of us 
have some kind of collection of, of tools and software that we use to build the apps that we work on today. And that's, um, that's also fun for, I think you and I as well, because, um, you know, you get to touch a lot of different things. Yeah. It, it seems that, uh, open source kind of, um, pushes forward the cross-platform adoption as well. It's like, uh, if you have something that's open source and it's out there, there's people on different platforms that need to be able to work on it. There's people on different platforms that need to run it. Uh, so that leads us into things like, uh, ASP.NET Core, where we're seeing it, uh, you know, ASP.NET and C-sharp running pretty much everywhere. Yeah, that, that was also, um, you know, open source was kind of the first wave that I said we started in 2008. And then I think the cross-platform uh, was the next wave. And we really started that a couple of years ago. Um, at the time, <clears throat> we called ASP.NET, uh, I think we were calling it ASP.NET vNext, and we also used the term ASP.NET 5 back in those days. Uh, but the real driver for us there, once again, is we want to make .NET and we want to make ASP.NET something that works wherever you are. Uh, some folks will want to run ASP.NET on an IoT device, or they might want to write, or write it as, you know, when, if you, you know, you're at home and you've got a router hooked up to your cable modem, um, it's very likely that when you go into the admin screen on your router, that's running PHP or it's running Node. Um, you know, in, in, in the time that these, these routers were created, you couldn't run ASP.NET on one of those things because ASP.NET only ran on Windows. Um, and, and with the open cloud and, and the way that the industry is moving, we wanted to make sure that .NET and ASP.NET uh, kind of work everywhere. And uh, the Xamarin acquisition that we had early, well, actually not earlier this year now, it's uh, early last year, um, is also part of that wave. You know, I, wa I want .NET to be, uh, the, our kind of term is anywhere. Uh, anywhere you are, you can run .NET. So we've got uh, .NET that runs on iOS and Android. I've got .NET that runs on Windows. I've got .NET that runs on Linux. Um, and as you said, it's the, the, the Linux, pack, Linux part of it's crazy because when we first were shipping the prototypes of, of .NET Core that were running on uh, Linux, obviously the first thing people want to do is they all have their uh, variants of Linux that they want to run it on. And it was so fun uh, as the team. We're just trying to get the thing to work at all. Um, but very quickly, people had ports to FreeBSD um, over the Christmas holiday, we had some external folks getting it uh, running on ARM32. Um, and so it's been fun seeing the community step in and and uh, get it running on platforms that uh, um, we haven't even had time to think about yet. Um, you know, earlier you talked about the .NET team being, uh, you know, approximately like 30 people when you first started. That was the ASP.NET team, let's be very clear. Or the ASP.NET team specifically, okay. Um, now with things like ASP.NET Core and, and running on uh, multiple uh, systems and, uh, you know, that kind of expands things you, you would imagine like uh, testing and, and uh, development. Um, is this causing the team to grow in it on its own or was it uh, to a sufficient size before uh, as a program manager? Have you had to say hire new people? Has the team been expanded or did you draw from other teams within Microsoft? Has the community stepped up and, and made up for some of that? Um, best way for me to answer that, 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 that that's actually a multi, there's, there's a couple of, couple of interesting things to, to uh, think about when you answer that question. One, one of them is, um, back when I joined the ASP.NET ASP team, the ASP.NET team was part of developer division. 
Um, and then in 2010, um, Scott Guthrie started his transition from uh, developer division into the cloud. And when that happened, um, all the webby parts of uh, developer division uh, went with Scott to the Azure organization. And so um, we left, the ASP.NET team left uh, developer division in 2010. Um, we also brought with us the uh, web tooling parts of Visual Studio. Um, and the reason we all, we all switched was, hey, you know, this Azure cloud at Microsoft was becoming an important area for the, for the company. Um, and Scott wanted to make sure he had all the things with him uh, to make sure that we had a great experience for developers for the cloud. Um, and so it, that, was that was an interesting time because um, the ASP.NET team was technically not part of the .NET team um, after that transition. Uh, we kind of lived by ourselves um, in, a, in a different part of the org uh, for quite a few years. Um, it was 2010s when we moved over there and we merged back uh, with the .NET team in early 2016. So we were, we were gone for six years. Um, as we started planning, um, you know, ASP.NET Core or ASP.NET 5, whatever you want to call it, um, when we started planning that, um, you know, and .NET over, over history, I'm, I'm sure the investment, I wasn't in the team, but I'm sure the, you know, the investments of, of anything goes up and down at times. So, I mean, there mm -hmm. was a, a big point where the .NET team focused a lot on uh, Windows 8, uh, they focused on uh, universal Windows platform, um, and so the the investment goes up and down. But but we did grow the team uh, when we decided to go do the cross platform thing. So uh, that that did involve us uh, uh, getting some more folks uh, into the team to help us uh, take .NET and and make it work cross platform. We we had actually shipped a couple of cross platform versions of .NET before, so we. Um, you know, a, a lot of some some of the code that you, you that you'll see in .NET Core uh, comes from Silverlight, um, and so Silverlight was was a you know a web plugin uh, that worked um, on on uh, primarily uh, Windows and Mac, um, but the folks at Xamarin had, had a, a version of it I think called Moonlight um, that also worked on Linux as well, um, and so we'd actually had some ports of .NET that were actually cross-platform already, and um, another thing that kind of happened along the way was um, when the Xamarin acquisition uh, occurred, one of the things that happened there was uh, the license on Mono was changed uh, to be a license that made it very easy for us to take code from Mono as well. Um, Mono also takes code from us too, so it goes both ways. Uh, when we open source the .NET platform, um, they immediately started taking uh, chunks of, of .NET um, and that they had all done in a white room they would much prefer to actually have the exact same code that we have in, in uh, the .NET framework. And so they were taking code from us and we could take code from them. And so the, the cross-platform .NET is kind of a culmination of code from Silverlight, uh, code from Mono, um, and then lots of code that we just have, have ported ourselves uh, to work cross-platform. Yeah, I've been a .NET developer since uh, ASP.NET 1.0. So I've seen these changes come about over the years, but uh, it's interesting to hear kind of the history that's that's gone on behind the scenes to make all this stuff happen to where we are today. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's as interesting as it might be from your seat. Trust me, it's even interesting, <laughs> more, interesting more interesting from my seat. I I remember back um, right as we were starting to plan the the ASP.NET five wave, 
which now is becoming, as I said before, ASNet Core. Um, I remember going into some of these executives at Microsoft's uh, offices and and saying, hey, we want to open source and make it all cross-platform. And um, I, I think it would, I think there, there were some folks that were, that were skeptical of it uh, when we first went and threw those proposals out there. But uh, we, we did a, a prototype um, and the feedback on the prototype was so good that it, it kind of convinced everybody that we were, uh, you know, heading down a right, the right path. Yeah. And um, speaking of that, that path that we're headed down now, and we were talking about, or you were talking about rather, uh, Xamarin and Moonlight and uh, some of these um, other open source initiatives uh, or cross-platform initiatives like Mono, uh, that's kind of brought us to this new .NET standard uh, in a way. So we, we have this new .NET standard that, that's trying to help us solidify what the... Uh, uh, portable class libraries were were trying to do in the past. Uh, let, can we talk about that a little bit? Yeah, that's the .NET standard is a is an interesting area, and it came about <clears throat> in early January of 2016 is when we started talking about .NET standard. And um, I had just moved. Uh, we had just merged the ASP.NET team, the Unity Framework team, and the .NET team back together into a single team, and we were kind of holistically looking at our frameworks and going, um, man, it's, it's, it, 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 it kind of felt to some of us that we had a couple of different .NETs. There was .NET Framework, um, there was ASP.NET Core, I guess, at the time. Um, there was Xamarin, um, and there were some Windows platforms like UWP and Windows 8 that, that existed as, as well. And those are all probably the, the current platforms of .NET. But as we looked at those, um, each of those had different APIs. And so if you were a .NET developer, um, let's say you were a Windows Form developer or, or a WPF developer, and uh, Microsoft shows up and says, hey, we'd like you to write a universal Windows uh, application. Um, and the reason you should write one of these is, you know, you write the application and it'll work great on all the Windows devices. Uh, it'll have great support for touch. Um, it can even run on Xboxes uh, and HoloLens. Um, so by you know you can write a single app that runs on all those platforms. Um, but developers, as they started trying to build a UWP application, uh, would run into some some hard edges. There was a bunch of APIs that that were considered core .NET APIs that were just missing on the platform. And uh, and that's kind of because the Windows team, kind of like the the .NET Core team, was reimagining. And, you know, how, you, how you build Windows applications. Uh, likewise, if you were an ASP.NET ASP, ASP developer and you moved and, and tried to write some code in ASP.NET Core, you would probably find uh, a good chunk of stuff missing. Uh, for some customers, that was okay because they were they want cross-platform so bad that, that they're just going to go take what, you know, figure it all out. Uh, but it was very clear to us that we kind of had a fragmented .NET platform and we started having discussions about how we defragment.net. Um, and the way to defragment.net that we, we came up with was, um, at the time, each of these platforms would say, here's the APIs I want to support. Um, that makes sharing code across all these platforms super, super difficult. And so as the .NET team, we kind of said, hey, we want to grab the reins of the APIs, and the .NET team defines the APIs that exist um, on all the platforms. And that really is what .NET standard is. .NET standard is a definition of 
hey, the, the .NET team has defined uh, a series of thousands and thousands of APIs. And if you want to be a, a .NET standard plat platform, you have to make sure these APIs exist on your platform. Um, and so the first wave of that um, shipped with ASP.NET Core. Um, but I would say that the, the set of APIs um, in, that, in that wave was, was very small. Um, and, and at the time, Xamarin supported them and um, .NET Core supported them. And, and obviously, .NET Framework supports them. Um, but our vision moving forward is uh, we have something called .NET Standard 2.0, and that'll ship later this year. Uh, we're not very far away from it. In fact, internally, I can just say today, we've actually done all the work internally to get all the APIs. Uh, they're actually working now. Um, we just, it's just going to take us a while to actually get them shipped. But the idea there was, the idea there was to take an intersection of what the Xamarin platform supported, what .NET Framework supported, um, and use that intersection of saying, hey, here's the APIs that cross between these things. Because um, we want to make code share across Xamarin and .NET Framework very easy. Uh, they both have to have the same APIs. Um, and so the initial, initial wave of the .NET Standard 2 is basically taking that that uh, intersection and making that the, the base of the platform. Um, and so later this year or early this year, you'll see us shipping a version of .NET Core that supports .NET Standard 2. Uh, .NET Framework, because it, it's the mother of all, all .NETs, it of course already supports .NET Standard 2. Um, and Xamarin will support .NET Standard 2. Um, and that means you can write code. Uh, you don't, I, I, would, I would hope in the future developers don't target frameworks, they target .NET Standard. And by doing that, you know, you can make a NuGet package or a code library, and it will easily work on all the platforms. Um, and so that's that, that's a, a, a key tenet of that. Later in the year, uh, you'll see us bring .NET Standard support to, to, to UWP applications. Um, and at that point, I think we really have, will nail the, the uh, .NET Standard uh, scenario, which means it's super easy to share across core, full framework, uh, Xamarin, and UWP. And if you're a UWP developer today, you'll probably rejoice because you're gonna get a bunch of APIs that are missing back um, as part of this. Um, but it, it makes .NET feel whole again to me. And that's that really is the goal of the team is uh, we wanna have one set of APIs that you can kind of count on everywhere. Um, and then we have another, another, another wave of work that's coming with VS 2017, and that is having the same uh, tooling platform um, across all the .NETs as well. So if there's folks out there that are uh, maybe waiting um, to start working with .NET, ASP.NET Core or .NET Core, um, because they're, they're worried that there's going to be uh, some libraries that aren't supported or API surfaces that um, they, they feel might be missing, do you think um, .NET Standard 2.0 is going to, to solve that? And that's that's a good point for people to jump on and start using ASP.NET Core? Yeah, I, I would I would say today, um, most folks that jump on, you know, .NET Core or ASP.NET Core today are primarily doing it because they have a business reason. Mm -hmm. um, and the, there's a couple of big business reasons why, why .NET Core might be interesting to you. One obviously is if you want to build uh, applications that can run cross-platform. So maybe your company is standardized its data centers on uh, Linux, um, and you have .NET assets, and you want to have these .NET assets work, uh, in, you know, in the hardware your company's running. 
then .NET Core is a great solution today, uh, even though there's some of those APIs missing. Um, if you want to go and, and build containerized applications, uh, you know, Docker containers are primarily uh, Linux-based today. Um, even though we have, uh, we just announced uh, late last year, support for Windows containers uh, in Windows Server 2016. Um, but that's still relatively new. That's like October of last year is when that, that technology came out. Um, if you've been pushing yourself in the container world, then .NET Core is a, is a great solution for you uh, today. And then finally, with .NET Core, we try to solve some of the key issues that we saw customers run into with .NET Framework. And one of the challenges that we have with .NET Framework is it is a global machine-wide installed platform. Um, and then the challenge of that is, um, you know, if your company is standardized on .NET uh, 4.5, um, the question you might ask yourself, if you install .NET 4.6 on your machine, that .NET 4.6 affects every application on that machine slash server. Um, and so if there's any com compatibility problems or any, you know, uh, bugs that we've introduced or bugs we fixed that end up breaking things in your code, um, you kind of have to retest all the apps on the machine to make sure that they're actually compatible with the new version of, of the .NET framework. Um, so one of the key tenets of .NET Core uh, was the idea of being able to have many of these .NET cores all side by side on the machine. Um, and so it's, it's not a global installed component, meaning that um, I could have five apps on my machine using .NET Core 1.0. I could have three more using .NET Core 1.0.3. Um, and I could have three or four more using .NET Core 1.1, and none of them steps on top of each other, which means, um, you know, if, if one of the teams in your org wants to uh, use the latest version of .NET Core, you can deploy that, that application on a server, um, and you're guaranteed that it will not stomp on any of the other applications. All the other applications can continue to use the version they're using. Um, and so making this side-by-side -side thing, um, you know, a, a big piece of the, of, of the platform uh, to give our customers more control over, you know, compatibility and stuff like that is a is a big tenet of .NET, .NET Core. So if those kinds of things are important to you today, then I would I would go port to .NET Core and and fight through whatever I have to do with missing APIs. If you're you know a .NET Framework person and you're just looking to hey when's the right time to try .NET Core, um, just because it's the new thing and I want to start trying the new thing out. Um, that will be with the .NET Standard 2 wave. And we're, we're actually going to, that wave will be a, a bigger than just .NET Standard 2 wave. It'll be just, I think we're going to call the whole thing .NET Core 2. And so in the, in the .NET Core 2 wave, um, that's when, if you've been sitting on the sidelines waiting, uh, that'll be a great time to, uh, to take a look at the platform. Because a lot of the APIs that are missing in .NET Core today will come back. Um, you can easily share NuGet packages across .NET Framework, Xamarin, uh, and, you know, uh, .NET Core. Um, and so a lot of the adoption blockers will, will be out of the way, um, but you get to keep all the, all, the, all the great tenants that are, are still there. You'll still get all the cross-platform. You'll get all the side-by-side. Um, -side. You'll get this super high performance that we did with ASP.NET Core. Um, you get all those benefits. Excellent. Yeah, I've been trying to give people the heads up that, you know, 2017 is going to be, this this year of ASP dot or .NET Core, uh, because of um, .NET Core 2.0 and .NET Standard 2.0, uh, some of that stuff was uh, was kind of under an NDA for a while. So it, it's been one of those things I've had to 
kind of keep under my hat until it's it's been made public. So it's it's exciting to be able to, you know, let people know this is coming and uh, let them know that they can start writing some ASP.NET Core applications for their their corporate uh, endeavors and and so, having all of those new benefits. So so one thing that that we should talk when, when we when we talk about ASP.NET Core. Um, one thing that I think a lot of folks miss on, um, and maybe we don't, as a team, we don't make enough, a big enough deal about it. Um, ASP.NET Core actually runs on, on the .NET framework as well. So um, um, both ASP.NET Core and NED Framework Core, uh, both of them can work on .NET Core and they can work on the uh, .NET framework. And, and so that was actually a design decision that was on purpose for us because we knew when .NET Core first shipped, it was not going to have the full API uh, set that we have in .NET Framework. And so we actually made those technologies um, work on .NET Framework. And so if you do want to try ASP.NET Core or NED Framework Core today, um, <clears throat> you can run them against the full framework um, and have you know, all the APIs that are, that are there. Um, so that is, that's, that's another option. If you want to try it, try it today, um, you know, using the full framework, uh, you don't get the cross-platform and the side-by-side -side, uh, benefits, but you will get the high performance. So the the same ASP.NET Core uh, that ranks number ten uh, in the Tech Empower benchmark for uh, serving JSON uh, will uh, perform the same way on the .NET framework as well. That's an excellent tip to know. I mean, I didn't know that myself, so that is that's a really good uh, way of looking at it. So if you haven't tried .NET Core yet, uh, give it a shot. Um, I've been using it quite a bit uh, for work purposes. Um, as most of you know, this is a, a podcast that's um, supported by Progress, which is also the makers of the Telerik uh, UI controls. So we have uh, support for ASP.NET Core already. Uh, so all of our 80 plus controls, UI controls for ASP.NET MVC uh, also work in ASP.NET Core. So I've been working a lot with that, uh, trying to make sure that, that we're communicating all of that to our customers and, and showing people demos and, and how to get uh, ASP.NET Core up and running and, and file new project and installing things. <laughs> so it's been, it's been a, a learning year last year for me and I've been trying to teach others on all this new stuff. Uh, so it's been a lot to a lot to keep up with, but it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that the uh, the Teller controls are I think one of the things that drew me to .NET way back in the in the original .NET days. Um, I remember playing with ASP.NET um, back when .NET was first shipped, and uh, I don't remember when the Teller controls first came out, but uh, um, I just remember the, the awesome power I had just by dragging dragging a couple of these controls into my onto my web forms applications back in those days. And you could build a slick, awesome application with a lot of functionality in no time with those controls. And so uh, super happy that there's uh, core versions of those things today. Yeah, I, I came to the company as a customer. So <laughs> I had this the same experience, you know, as a .NET developer. And um, one day I, I downloaded uh, a couple third-party controls to try them out and uh, I found a lot of uh, powerful options with the the Teller controls. Like you said, you drag and drop, and all of a sudden, you've got this great looking application. And immediately, 
went to my boss and was like, if you buy this, this is like hiring two new people. <laughs> and um, I was a lone wolf developer for years just using those tools. Same for me. I, I had the exact same conversation with my boss as well. It's like, um, if you if you buy this stuff, I can you know, it's, I can do the work of five people just by myself. So, uh, um, which was true. Yeah, and it's it's great stuff. We're we're supporting uh, .NET Core, um, and we're also supporting Angular two. And I've been doing a lot of work on uh, showing folks that use uh, the .NET Core platform. Uh, how to integrate the Angular 2 UI controls as well. Uh, so again, more more learning. It's it's what we do, right? Learn, learn, and learn. <laughs> well, that's that's that that to me is what's you know that, that that's what makes .NET interesting, and that's what makes web programming interesting to me is um, you know the fun fun for me over over my my time at Microsoft so far has just been you know as as part of the .NET team we kind of just adopt to whatever we see is happening in the developer world. So you know back in two thousand. Uh, Eight, when we did MVC, that was because we were seeing uh, the MVC pattern becoming very popular with Ruby on Rails. Um, I remember a couple years later when uh, frameworks like Angular came out, uh, mobile applications, um, you know, as as the uh, iPhone and Android phones uh, were becoming more popular, um, you needed to have great support for APIs, um, and so I remember we built you know ASP.NET Web API to to have a platform for that. And uh, I remember we were doing things like uh, looking at real time and we built a SignalR uh, framework on top of ASP.NET to do real time. Um, and then we saw this shift into cross-platform and containers and we, we did the, you know, the uh, open sourcing and, and uh, cross-platform support for .NET. Um, that's what keeps the job fresh is the, is the fact that the industry and, is, and the technology is always changing. And you know, our job is to make .NET um, you know, a great choice and a relevant choice as each of these uh, shifts happens in our industry. But that's that's why I love doing what we do. It's just it's just so fun. Just uh, um, I think I'd be bored if we were still just doing the same thing uh, that we were doing in 2007. But uh, each of these paradigm shifts, uh, you know, we get to adopt the framework and the tools. Absolutely, I can't agree more. Uh, speaking of the tools. Um... I think we have a little bit of time left to to talk about Visual Studio 2017, if you don't mind. Yeah. So what uh, what do we have to look forward to uh, with regards to .NET Core and um, let's say uh, web programming in Visual Studio 2017? So I, I think the, the the biggest thing that we're doing in in Visual Studio 2017 is. Um, this is kind of a weirdness of .NET Core. We actually RTM.NET Core in June of 2016, um, but the tooling is never RTM'd actually. Um, so you know, right now, if you're if you're playing with .NET Core, you're likely using VS 2015, um, and you've downloaded one of our you know beta tooling installers. Um, I think it's we're at preview three, I think, right now for the mm -hmm. for the tooling. Um, VS 2017 will be the first Visual Studio IDE. Uh, that has full .NET Core support baked into uh, Visual Studio. So that's, um, it'll be the first one that, you know, just right as part of the installing of, of VS, you can actually get .NET Core support. Um, it will also, um, as we were building .NET Core, we first started experimenting with a, 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 a new project system that we were calling Project JSON at the time. Um, and the reason we even got to this new project system was when we first started this effort, we were like, hey, how do we, 
we want to make sure that you know because the technology runs cross-platform that if you're on a Mac or, or you're on a Linux machine that uh, there's a decent developer experience you know up to this point the only way to to build .NET applications for the most part was to to use uh, Visual Studio um, if you try to edit you know hand create a, a .cs project file um, in Notepad I don't think you'd be very successful um, and so the idea was hey we want to make building these applications so simple that uh, the the project file is just something anybody could type into a notepad um, and so this led to a file called project JSON um, and a new project system and we learned a lot from from that that experience um, it was a great experience um, but as we started working on .NET standard we realized that trying to code share between a .NET Core project and a Xamarin project or a .NET Core project and a .NET Framework project was just super, super hard. We can make it work one way, but making it work both ways. It was, it was easy for us to make it where a, um, a .NET Core project could actually use uh, a .NET Framework project, but making a .NET Framework project that could use a .NET Core project just it didn't didn't work, um, and as we started looking at the problems that we're trying to solve, as we were trying to solve that, it, it just looked insurmountable. And then the other thing that hurt us was, you know, if we're really going to go down this project JSON path, we really would need to go make it make project JSON the way you do .NET everywhere. Um, so we ended up moving back to the CS Proj uh, project system or the MS MS Build project system. And uh, but what we wanted to do as part of that transition is we want to make sure we didn't lose any of the, the goodness that we learned in Project JSON. So if you play with VS 2017, uh, I think we have RC2 out right now, and I think RC3 is coming pretty soon. Um, one of the things you're going to notice is um, with .NET Core projects, you get a simplified CS proj, uh, meaning that basically you'll get a CS proj that's just a few lines of, uh, of XML. It's not full of GUIDs. It's a few lines of XML. And it's pretty easy to hand edit, just like Project JSON was. In fact, it's so easy to hand edit that we actually built a feature into Visual Studio 2017 where you can right-click on your project and say open in the editor um, and actually hand edit the file just like you could a Project JSON file if you wanted to. Um, and you'll get the same uh, IntelliSense. You'll be able to edit your packages live. Um, and so we, we try to take all the, the cool benefits of um, Project JSON and bring them back into CS Project. So a couple of those things is... Uh, file globbing, uh, meaning that you don't have to list every single file in your project in your CS Proj file. Uh, this is one of the cool benefits of, of Project JSON, meaning that you didn't have to do a, a source control merge every time you added a file. Um, as I said, we have the same very simple package references that we had in Project JSON. They're available in the CS Proj file as well. You can hand it at those. You'll get IntelliSense um, in the RTM timeframe. Um, we also preserved a bunch of the capabilities like uh, being able to cross-target being able to, you know, write a DLL and then tell the, tell the system that you want it to spit out a .NET Framework DLL, a .NET Core DLL, um, you can do that. Um, and we simplified uh, the CS Proj file, removing all the GUIDs, uh, removing a lot of the ceremony, making it very small and, and clean and easy to see, um, and then having the ability to edit these things in Visual Studio 2017. So you get, you get all that with uh, the VS 2017 wave. Um, and so, and the and that tooling will be the RTM tooling, and so that's uh, um, that's exciting. But there's also a bunch of other exciting things that we've done in VS 2017 as well. So, uh, one of my favorites is 
Uh, we have something uh, called live unit testing that we've added to VS 2017. And live unit testing is, uh, the, the whole premise behind it really is, you know, today a lot of the developer lifecycle is you write a bunch of code and you run your tests. Um, and the idea behind live, live unit testing is as you're writing your code, tests are running all the time in the background. Um, and so you actually will find errors much earlier or find tests that break much earlier um, as, the ID, as the ID does this. And we've done all the right things to make sure that, uh, um, you know, we, we run this thing out of process so it doesn't make your VS run out of memory. Um, we, make, we do a lot of work to make sure we don't, you know, make your CPU go crazy. So we're trying to do all the right things to make this not be intrusive and or it shouldn't slow down your typing or anything like that. But uh, you get a, a much cooler developer experience. That's a, that's a nice, nice thing coming in the VS 2017 wave. Um, another one is um, we've completely redone the VS installer. Um, so one of the challenges today with, with Visual Studio is if you just, if you just check something, um, the granularity is, is pretty big. You know, you can't just say, I want C-sharp only WinForms development. Um, you know, you basically say, I want Windows development, and you get a whole bunch of stuff. Um, and so we went through the IDE, <clears throat> and we've <clears throat> broken pieces up into smaller pieces, and so you have a lot more granularity. And so you can install VS and put a much smaller footprint on disk. Uh, we wanted to address the problems of uh, when a... When a Visual Studio update comes out. We don't want your machine to grind for an hour or two uh, putting that update on. So we've done a lot of work to make sure that when an update does happen, it'll be a very quick process. Uh, some of that was uh, we don't globally install a lot of the, the stuff anymore. So there's still some components that are globally installed, but most of it's locally installed. And we even have our own registry as a file inside of our folder um, uh, with, with the idea of saying that, you know, uninstalling or reinstalling a VS should become a much much faster thing than it was before and so that's a uh, another wave and and there's also a ton of other other investments that we've done uh, across the product line but i think the ones that will affect the dotnet folks the most are going to be the the live unit testing the dotnet core support uh and the moving to project json and the installer i think those are all uh, areas that people will really enjoy and there's a VS uh, 2017 preview available for download, correct? There is. Um, so right now, if you go to visualstudio.com, there'll be a preview of 2017. That's technically in, it's, 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 at, it's at release candidate mode at this point. Um, and as I said, in somewhere in mid-January, I mean, mid-December, um, it switched to technically RC2, and, the, and the, the next wave of the RC is coming very, very quickly. Um, .NET Core support, even though the, the Visual Studio is at, at, in RC, we were still calling our .NET Core support preview, um, but we're about to finally remove the preview title from the .NET Core support. Um, a lot of the reason we, we were still calling it preview was um, we just got .NET Core support into the uh, 2017 previews in uh, mid-November. And it was the first time that we actually had done, done that shift from Project JSON to CS Proj. Um, and we, we knew we needed a couple of cycles um, of customers trying and us trying, trying the tooling uh, before we ripped that preview label off. And so I believe on the next um, refresh of the 2017 preview, we will finally rip that bandaid off and uh, we'll be very close to having RTM uh, .NET Core tooling. And... Uh... 
in regards to CLI tooling or command line tooling, uh, what what type of stuff is coming down the pipe there? Um, when it comes to CLI, first first off, that's a, that's actually a, a design change for us. Historically, you know, tooling for .NET, as I said earlier, has been primarily been a Visual Studio thing. There was not really mm-hmm. a great way to build uh, .NET applications from from uh, command line. Um, but as you start looking at making cross-platform.net, you've got to have a great way of building these applications from command line. And so internally as a team, we kind of said, hey, what we're going to do is we're going to go CLI first. And so uh, any experience that we build with tooling, we're going to build a command line version of it first. And for the most part, and you know, once again, it'd be unknown to you, um, when you're actually in the IDE and doing things, uh, the IDE is out is running out and running the same command line tooling that you might run on a... On a uh, Linux or Mac machine yourself. Um, so it allows us to write the tooling one time and share it across, you know, all the different ways you might use that tooling. Um, but I, I, sometimes when I, I hear people that have seen us demo .NET Core, and they're like, man, you guys are all going command line. And, and, uh, you know, what about Visual Studio? And, and the majority of our developers use Visual Studio and they use it for the productivity. And so we're not, de-emphasizing the visual tooling and Visual Studio at all because we're focusing on some of the command line stuff. Uh, we're going to give you all the ways of doing stuff in VS with all the high productivity that we've always given you. But we want to enable the command line for people that are running on platforms other than Windows. Um, and, and with that, we should also talk about something else. We should talk about, uh, we just announced in November as well, uh, Visual Studio for Mac. Um, and that's kind of a rebrand uh, of Xamarin Studio. Xamarin Studio being the um, IDE that Xamarin had built for building uh, Xamarin-based applications on iOS and Android. Um, what we what we're, what are what we've done with Visual Studio for Mac is we've gone and taken the .NET Core workloads and we've dropped those into Xamarin Studio uh, or now via Visual Studio for Mac. Um, and the idea here is um, if you're on a Mac, now you'll have an editor or a full IDE experience for .NET Core as well. Um, you can build applications, uh, both console, class library, and, and ASP.NET applications. Um, it's early preview at this point, but we want to have the same kinds of parity that we have with Visual Studio. So we'd love to have uh, the publish to cloud that we have in Visual Studio, the publish to containers that we have in Visual Studio. Um, we want to have the same templates that we have in Visual Studio. Um, so you're going to see this continue to grow um, over the next uh, couple of months. Um, but the main idea there is, um, from that one IDE, you can build an iOS and Android application, and you can build the ASP.NET Core backend for that application all in the same IDE. Um, and so you're just going to continue to see that IDE, uh, grow and, uh, share the same capabilities that we have in Visual Studio for, uh, .NET Core applications. Yeah, Visual Studio has to be by far my favorite Microsoft product. I've used it since I've started development and I've tried other things and uh, there's there's nothing more comfortable for me to program in than uh, Visual Studio. So it's it's nice to see that it's making its way to Mac um, through uh, the rebranding of Xamarin Studio. And it's also nice to see uh, Visual Studio Code uh, coming out and I've seen a lot of adoption on Visual Studio Code from from folks that, you know, swore they'd never use Visual Studio, <laughs> but you, you know, now they're using Visual Studio code and they're, they're kind of getting an idea of uh, what IntelliSense is like and, and good code completion is like. And uh, it's, it's fun to see those 
uh, folks enjoying those benefits that I've had for years. Yeah, it's kind of it's it, to me it's part of the new Microsoft. I mean, the new Microsoft. I think of um, you know we have .NET Core, which is cross-platform, and uh, we've got Visual Studio Code, a great editor that runs on uh, Windows, Mac, and Linux. Um, it's just part of that uh, that the, that cool wave of you know I think our our motto used to be all about you know doing stuff for Windows, and and now our motto is just make awesome software. Uh, some of my fa- some of my favorite Microsoft applications now are. Um, I'm a big fan of OneNote, and I love the fact that I can run OneNote on the web. I can run it on my uh, iOS device, um, and I can run it, uh, you know, on Windows. I just, this it's just part of this kind of, you know, industry shift that I I'm really enjoying. But uh, VS Code is awesome, and uh, we we also want to make sure that that uh, .NET works great in VS Code, and so we have great support there for uh, IntelliSense. We have debugging support in VS Code, um, and in the future, you'll see us have support for. Uh, probably even doing remote debugging into the cloud uh, with VS Code as well. Um, so, Scott, we've we've covered a lot today. Uh, we've covered um, .NET Standard and and ASP.NET Core and .NET Core, uh, Visual Studio, and uh, the other amazing tools uh, that are are coming this year. Um, so, I, I wish you an excellent 2017. I think it's going to be a great year for all .NET developers. Um, I really appreciate you making time for the show. Yeah, I'm super excited to be on the show, and I'm uh, glad we had a chat, and I'd love to do it again. Yeah. Is there anything that, um, any links that you'd like to share or uh, ways to get in touch with you online, uh, Twitter, um, any of those I think things? The, I think the big things I'd want to point people to is uh, go to dot.net. That's the uh, homepage for .NET. Um, and if you want to find me, I'm on Twitter. I am uh, at cool, C-O-O-L-C-S-H. Awesome. And uh, I have a couple events coming up as well. Um, I'll be in Arizona at the end of the month this month, January 23rd, for an event uh, called A Day with Scott Guthrie. So that should be a fun event. If you're in the Phoenix, Arizona area, stop by and see us. Uh, Grab a ticket for the event. Come by. if you're looking for updates on .NET, uh, we're blogging all the time on developer.telerik.com. Uh, you'll find blogs by me on ASP.NET Core and Angular 2, and uh, Sam Basu is always on there talking about Xamarin, so you can come get your fill of, of .NET on developer.telerik.com. You'll find the podcast there as well. Uh, and uh, we also have a Kendo UI webinar on January 24th. Uh, so make sure you tune into that if you have time. We'd appreciate it. Uh, you can sign up for the webinar on developer.teleric.com as well. We'll include include uh, links for everything in the show notes. Again, good luck uh, with uh, 2017, Scott, and uh, we appreciate you being on. Yeah, well, I'm going to join you at the uh, event in uh, Phoenix as well. Awesome. Look forward to meeting you in person. So I will see you there. All right. Take care and safe travels. Thanks. See you.